0: What's up, everybody? This is Terrell Wayne, aka Q, here at Boule Like Jazz. What's up? I uh, want to give a shout out. Hey, if you're ever in Houston and you're looking to go salsa dancing or take some classes or you're in Houston, and um, you want to also learn bachata and other dances, check out Raul Orlando Edwards at Strictly Street Salsa. Uh, good prices, great classes, um, and good locations where the studios are at. So yeah, go check him out, Um, strictlystreetsalsa.com. He's got a lot of great things coming up as well. Um, Also, shout out Nuestra Palabra. What's up, KPFT? Um, Check out Nuestra Palabra Tuesdays, um, 6 to 7, 90.1 if you're in Houston. Or you can listen on kpft.org and select HD1. That's the channel for the uh, FM dial. Um, Yeah, I co-host and I run a soundboard there. Shout out to everybody on the show, Marlon, Letty, Tony, um, all the interns, uh, shout out to Naboo and DJ Sumo, Bobby, what's up, man? Um, uh, if you're ever in Houston, um, or you live here, and, uh, I want you to check out Revolver Bar on Washington, um, really cool spot, um, it's over there by the, by Memorial Park, um. and um, good vibes that go on there. Um, great outdoor patio as well. Um, you don't want to miss it. It's a great time there. Um, also, for food, uh, you should check out Cuchada here in Houston. It's over there on uh, Fairview um, near um, uh, what's that? Uh, Westheimer and stuff like that. Um, great spot there. Uh, so, uh, there was this incident at this high school here in Houston um, where uh, the ap's thought that it was a great idea associate principals right thought it was a great idea to um uh, cut i'm uh, not not cut but uh, draw on uh, a student's head scalp hair um apparently um he had a um a uh, uh, you know a haircut style design that wasn't uh, a part of the dress code so they step in, say something, whatever, and I don't know how, but uh, they ended up deciding to, you know, take a permanent marker and draw in the design, um, I guess trying to, you know, not make it visible. So this, is, this brings up many topics. This brings up dress code. This brings up culture expression. This brings up free speech. This brings up the public school system. And first of all, no one-size-fits-all, okay? Uh, Number two, uh, the dress code conversation isn't easy. Should girls cover up more versus should, should males check their privilege? You know? Then what about haircuts? How expressive can a student be? What about that student's free speech? And is this really disruptive to the class, school, and faculty, right? So why in the heck did they think it was a good idea to draw on this kid you know even considering all those things how you know like I don't get it Um, that would not happen if I was at that school (laughs) pure and simple Um, but you know this really brings up you know a conversation about black expression because the kid was uh, African American yeah the kid was black American parents black American here in Houston out there in Pearland. this is out in Pearland. not I don't you know not gonna tell you school go find it online if you want whatever whatever but like you know as somebody that's worked in the school system like um it, 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 it black expression aggression brown expression and aggression um you know are feared and we really need to talk about this and discuss this right like the other thing is like, You know, I think that your hiring practices should reflect your dynamics, especially when you're dealing with a school, right? You're dealing with discipline, you're dealing with culture, you're dealing with norms, expectations, and realities. You know, it's kind of like, you know, uh, (laughs) you know, it's like, we got to really rethink what we want, how we're going to go about it, um, and call things out for what they are. And, we need to call out our biases in the in the school system towards uh black males and females um and uh, uh, latino uh population as well. um We need to really revisit what our goals are um because this is ridiculous man you know should 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 women cover up or should men check their privilege? You tell me what you think. use the hashtag. B-L-L-J, baby. That's bootleg like jazz. B-L-L-J. You know, should women cover up more or should it be the men who check their privilege? Um, And I think it's, I mean, I think it's a a balance between the two. But when it comes to, you know, uh, dress code violation and then you want to go that step of drawing on some kid's head, you've crossed the line. You've seriously crossed the line. And, Need a step back Hey, this is Terrell Wayne A.K.A. Q You're listening to Boo Leg Like Jazz um, Like, subscribe, follow Leave a comment Hashtag BLLJ uh, Hey Yo, man There's some new Miles Davis And John Coltrane music Coming out I'm gonna play some gonna use it on a fair use, huh? <laughs> so Uh So this is from Pitchfork.com Okay Miles Davis' Lost album Rubber Band Set for release I think it's gonna be great man The original producers And Davis's nephew Completed the album Abandoned In the mid 80s Let's play a little bit Under fair use Just 30 seconds Rubber band, rubber band. Yo, I think that's gonna be live, man. I can't wait to hear. It. Looks like it got about eleven tracks on it. Um So yeah. Be looking out for that. Check that out. And then Miles Davis, I mean, uh, John Coltrane. Um, Yeah, my bad. (laughs) Uh, This is from NPR. It says, uh, a lost album from John Coltrane with thanks to a French-Canadian director. Um, Let's check out a little bit of it. It's called Blue World. out for that man John Coltrane Blue World's coming out It's great little stuff uh, a little bit about the article so this one's about Coltrane um, just over a year ago no it says there's never any end John Coltrane says sometime in the mid 60s at the height of his powers there are always new sounds to imagine new feelings to get at Coltrane just spoke Coltrane, one of jazz's most revered saxophonists, was speaking to Nat Hintoff about an internal quest, a compulsion to reach toward the next horizon and the next. So that's NPR article, and then the one on Davis from Pitchfork. It says, in 1985, Miles Davis began recording an album called Rubber Band, which was set to be his first album for Warner Brothers Records, following his departure from longtime label Columbia. That record was ultimately shelved. His first album for Warner would be 1986's Tutu. Last year saw the title track to Davis' album, Rubber Band, released on an EP of the same name. Hey, tell me, what's your favorite Miles Davis album? Or Miles Davis song? Use the hashtag BLLJ. And tell me what's your favorite John Coltrane album or song? BLLJ. Use the hashtag BLLJ. I, I love love supreme, man. Love supreme is it's it's just it's methodic, it's rhythmic, it's uh it's 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 earthy, it's urban, and then bitches brew, man. It's just it's just it's the Hendrix of of jazz, man. Yo, Hendrix and Miles Davis were working together. Davis showed up at his funeral. Davis uh, showed up at Jimi Hendrix's funeral. Miles Davis did real talk. Listen, man. Jimi Hendrix is my that's my that's my that's my dude. I love his music, man. I can listen to his music almost anytime, anywhere, you know what I mean? Um the thing for me that um, got me to really like like Jimi Hendrix was uh, his voice. Um, I, I had gotten a lot of, you know, <laughs> jokes, got picked on a lot about my, you know, about my voice. Um, as a kid, uh, and even as an adult, and uh, when I heard Jimmy, and this is like I, I you know, I, I first hear Jimmy a few years after high school. Um, I'm like, yo, man, <laughs> that sounds like me. I mean, I remember when I first heard him talking and singing. I, I turned and I was like, is that that sounds like me on the microphone? That sounds like me when I hear myself on a, a voicemail. So this is back, um, you know when, you know, there were voicemails on home phones, right? I used to hear myself. I'm like, what the hell, man? You know, like <laughs> I didn't like how it sounded, you know? And then people also would say shit, you know. Uh so for me, Hendrix, I identified and connected with him right away because of that. Um and then his music just was um and his freedom of expression was was uh was was everything. Uh I remember distinctively um, I was driving back from Dallas to Houston just after an orientation at U- University of North Texas so that's where I would eventually graduate college from um, and uh, um, I had driven back from Dallas um, to Houston from an orientation to get set up and get ready for the, you know the fall semester and it was storming and I remember listening to um, the Blues album and the Band of Gypsy's album. And that coupled with what I knew known about him and the fact that it was a thunderstorm and, I mean, just a, a dazzling display of, of lightning strikes, it just enamored me to him. And I really just, like, tuned into his music because all I had to do was drive and, you know... That's it. I, all I could do was, you know, focus on the road and focus on the music. I mean, for me, it was, you know, his freedom, his his bends, his his use of um, using the instrument as a as another tool for manipulating sound or conveying the feeling, and emotion that he wanted to convey. You know that 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 grappled me, man. And then his live performances. You know, so for me, there was a time when I. I, I, I split right from really listening to his studio albums differently than listening to his live albums. And I, and I got him. I, I got it. I understood what he was trying to say. I understood what, 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 uh, what he was trying to convey. And it helped. And, and listening to him live helps, make, help, helps you understand him in a, in a whole other way. I loved how he continued to um, manipulate um, um, uh, his songs to different shows, to different venues. Um, I love how, you know, um, for example, uh, I, think of, um, I think of Hey Joe, for example. Man, Hey Joe takes on so many different forms throughout his career. You know, Isle of Wight from Woodstock you know what I mean uh Woodstock from any of the other earlier performances you know there's some you know you go on youtube there's some uh um there's some videos uh of him of his music but of of his live shows now it's not like you you know videos but like the live performance but you get the audio only no video so they use other stuff but it's still great of him performing here in Houston in 67 68 66 I think And, I mean, you hear him then compared to Woodstock. You hear him then compared to uh, Atlanta Pop Festival. You hear him then compared to Monterey. You hear him then uh, at at, at Fillmore for Band of Gypsies. I mean, you you, got to give the man his props, bro. You know, and it's like we were also witness to... uh, you know, to, you know, that very, you know, raw, uh, um, creativity just explode and, and, um, you know, share with us, you know, like Band of Gypsies, man, that's the, that's the album, bro. Dude, I mean, just, who knows? As the intro, then you got Machine Gun, and just the solo, and then the, the use of uh, palm muting to reinforce bullets and bombs and helicopter sounds and and other you know uh, rapid fast paced sort of experiences. I mean, you got to get a man his props. You know, go listen to that. Then go listen to the Who. Go listen to that. Then go li- to listen to Led Zeppelin. Uh, go go listen to that. Go listen to Clapton. And then don't forget, don't forget, he's singing. He's fronting the band. He's fronting the band. It's just him. A bassist and a drummer. Woodstock was different. That's where that's where he wanted to go. Band of Gypsies was different. That's where he wanted to go. I love that man. When I found out who uh, Buddy Miles was, that just that just that just it just helped understand Jimi Hendrix and what he was trying to accomplish and those and the times of you know that was going on socially, that was going on in terms of civil rights, politically. Um, economically um, you begin to understand that Hendrix was and and fully knew he was black um, that uh, injustice anywhere was a threat to justice everywhere he's the one that said um when the love of power overcomes the power of love no 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 when the love of power when the power of love overcomes the love of power the world will know peace um you understand machine gun totally different when you hear that song when you hear, when you hear him say that when you understand that 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 was him that says that right um, you, you listen to uh, um, voodoo child differently um, you, you 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 understand tax free you understand so many other songs in a whole other way you know um, when you understand uh, when you when you understand that you know power love, you know, can they coexist? Can they exist together? And if so, how, what are the checks and balances? How do you, how do you maintain that? Right. For me, that was, you know, that has been like, I mean, I, I love that. I love, I love the idea of an artist being an activist as well. Like, I mean, dude, Band of Gypsies was a political song. Right. Like I get, you know I mean? I get ads, from you-know-who. <laughs> I, I know y'all listening. Hey, you know, it, it's what it is, you know? <laughs> you know, I get ads from you-know-who that head headhunting, you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, I, I uniquely understand that. But, like, for Hendrix to put out Machine Gun and then to do it with an all-black band on January 1st, 1970 in San Francisco at the Fillmore East at the height of his fucking career at Woodstock. He had just did Woodstock. He had just done Woodstock back in August. Woodstock was a August, September. Woodstock, you know, was was at least four or five months away. That's that, that performance alone got him on the Dick Cavett show, right? Because Dick Cavett asked him about that. He asked him, you know, why do you... Uh, you know, uh, he asked him, "Why did you play the Star Spangled Banner the way you did?" And then, you know, the, how did Cavett ask that question? You know, Hendrix. You know, it uh, was food for fodder, right? It was like, you know, wh- why is it uh, not beautiful? You know, that that that's how the conversation ended. You know, which I believe was a protest as well. You know, Star Spangled Banner being played was a protest. I think actually, you know, as you look at it, you know, he was setting it up. Um, he was setting Machine Gun up. Star-Spangled Banner was a protest song, man. Think about it, bro. Look who was in the band that day. You had a white guy on drums. You had a black, you had a black guy on um, percussion. You had another Latino on percussion. And you had two black backup uh, instrument guys. You had uh, uh, Buddy Miles. Oh, wait. What was the drummer at Band of i Buddy Guy. I'm, damn, I forgot his name. Uh, but Billy Cox. Sorry. Buddy Miles and then Billy Cox. Yeah, that's right. You had Buddy Miles on drums with Billy Cox and Hendrix for Band of Gypsies January 1st, 1970 and all those other performances, right? And then you also had at Woodstock when he performed Star-Spangled Banner you had uh, you know the white guy on drums who's from England um, then you had Billy Cox on bass uh, Larry Lee on guitar guitar uh, Juma on uh, percussions as well as uh, a Jerry Velez and you had Hendrix Jerry Velez was Latino I think Hendrix was uh um, dating Jerry Velez's girlfriend, I think that's the rumor I heard. I'm not sure, and I I don't, I don't I think I saw a picture of her. I think I saw a picture of her. I can't remember for sure. But um, Star Spangled Banner was a protest when he played it. But what he was protesting um, wasn't even violence. It was it was protesting. Um, hey, black. Is American. Let me say it again: Black is American. Latino is American. Latinx is American. Black women is American. Black men is American. And so, uh, and so on and so forth. That's what he was saying. Because you got to remember what's happening in the 1960s: segregation. So, here goes another reason why Jimmy Hendrix is. I, I like his artistry, right? Uh, come on, man. It was the Jimi Hendrix experience. Two white British guys. No, it, it, it started out two white British guys. Then Billy Cox came in on bass. And then it was Jimmy, Billy Cox on bass, who was black, uh, black American. And then um, Mitch Mitchell. And then Noel Redding left or got kicked out. Noel Redding was the bassist who wanted to be the guitarist. But, hey, they actually recorded, there's some Noel Redding songs. So on Electric Lady Land, which, shit, if you talk about studio albums, man, I got to say, Electric Lady Land, I have to say, Electric Lady Land is by far the best Jimi Hendrix studio album. And then, you know, South Saturn Delta comes right after that. What's the other? Hells and Angels comes also right after that. And then, and then, are you experienced, bro? (laughs) You know, shit. And and we're just talking studio albums. We're not talking about live albums. Like, I mean, in my opinion, his best live performance is Woodstock. Is Woodstock. Then he's fronting a, a multicultural band, doing protest songs, shredding it, killing it, pissing people off. You go tell me what's the deal. Hey, yo, this is Terrell Wayne, a.k.a. Uh, Q. You listen to Booleg Like Jazz. Like, subscribe, follow. Uh, leave me a comment using the hashtag BLLJ. Um, it's your boy. I'm out. <laughs>